Hello, and once again, welcome to the Patriot Preacher Podcast. I'm Dan Fraley, and today we are going to continue in our segment of dealing with special and general revelation. In this episode, we're going to be talking about general revelation and hopefully moving in in the direction of special revelation. Uh, So far, we've talked about that in the first episode, first couple of episodes with Brother Wesley Simons did an excellent job of dealing with the problem of good and evil. Then we started getting into Psalm 19 and dealing with this this idea that the Bible teaches of general and special revelation. Once again, I'm with Brother Ethan Tate from the Tri-City School of Preaching. We have been recording from the Tri-City School of Preaching. Uh, We are both graduates of the Tri-City School of Preaching. Uh, Brother Ethan, good to have you again with us today. Well, thank you for inviting me, Dan. Uh, I love Brother Ethan. Uh, He is so knowledgeable when it comes to worldviews, and I'm thankful that he's here. The last time we spoke, he left a a hanging question about what evidence. How how can we know that God is not a deist? How can we know that he is with us? We looked at Psalm 139 briefly, but that seems to be the question, Ethan. How can we know that deism is not true? What's what's going on with that idea? Well, if, if God truly separated himself from us, we would have no record or recollection of his thoughts. Uh, his ways, his ideas, and really he would just, uh, we wouldn't even have the Bible. I mean, if you wanted to be honest about it, he'd, he wouldn't leave any trace at all for us to, to know other than, well, there must be something more and leave it at that. But it's interesting if you look at, uh, we alluded to Job last time. If you look at the last person to speak before God confronts Job, if you look at Elihu and what he has to say, I think there's some very interesting words that can help set the pace for where we're going to go. In Job 32, Elihu would say in verse 6, Elihu, the son of Barakel, the Buzite, answered and said, I am young in years, and you are very old. Therefore I was afraid. I dare not declare my opinion to you. And I said, Age should speak, and the multitude of years should teach wisdom. But there is a spirit in man, and there is breath of the Almighty, or and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. That phrase, breath of the Almighty, it's interesting that same idea is presented in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And the idea of inspiration is this idea of breathed out by God. Quite literally, it's the very essence of God. And what Scripture does do is it reveals to us things about God, not that he's evil, even though the Bible contains some deeds of very wicked and evil individuals. But rather, it shows us a collection of things, uh, and Dan, I think Peter talks about this as well, the idea of things of how to be righteous before God, how to live godly before God, not necessarily to become God, but how to think like him, how to act like him, and respond to him in certain situations. Well, he told us in Second Peter chapter 1 that he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And, of course, that is the goal of a Christian, right? That's right. It is to be, uh, live like God, live the way that God would have us live. And it says here, it says, uh, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Now, this, this verse blows de- uh, deism out of the water. That's right. If he is just like the just like you said, the entire Bible does, but this verse in particular, because if he was not a God who was involved, and he just basically created us and then left us, 
why would he why would he send his son to give us all things that pertain to life and godliness so that we could be like him and then moreover why would we be judged by that how would we be judged if it was a god like that and so i think about those things he says here in verse 5 he says giving all diligence these are things that we must do add to your faith virtue virtue knowledge knowledge temperance temperance patience patience godliness well, how do we know what godliness is if God did not want us to know and give it to us in his word? That's what I think about. That's right. And, and I mean, really, when you think about what can special revelation do that general revelation can't besides the, the character of God, what's interesting, you look at Genesis 2, and when it closes out the creation account, it would say this is the end of the history of the creation of the world. How do we know about that? Because it's recorded. Even multiple times throughout the Old Testament, it makes reference back to the creation account. Even Jesus would say, did you not read from the beginning he made them male and female? How did Jesus get that information? Is it because he's God's son and he knows things that we don't? These were written, inspired things. More than just a story, but it shows us quite a few things that no other book in the world that even claims divine inspiration, which is maybe six other documents in the world, there has to be a way to be able to verify, to authenticate, to test this, to know for a fact, is the book that I'm reading truly something that comes from God? Now, Ethan, uh, you just mentioned a lot of ways there. Uh, do you have, do you know of any of evidence that you're talking about here? For which which part? Uh, for, as you just said, the there has to be a way, right? There has to be a way to verify. Now, folks, what Ethan's alluding to here is not blind faith. That's right. It's not blind faith. What it is is evidence. There, there does and there exists a way to verify if it is historically accurate, if it is geographically ge- uh, Geographically. Geographically, thank you. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. If it is archaeologically accurate, if it's if it's scientifically accurate, you see, if, if God exists and he does exist, and he is involved with his creation, he would definitely leave the evidence for us, would he not? Absolutely. And it's it's not that, well, if the Bible agrees with science, then Science, the Bible must be okay, and or if the Bible agrees with history, then it must be right. No, 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 you can look at any true scientist. You can look at any true archaeologist. You can look at any true textual critic. And what you'll come to find is a lot of the human ideas of how we think uh, God kind of operates in the sense that it must be absolutely perfect. If there's one minor flaw, then it can't be God. Well, the no, 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 no. The, the Bible is perfect. It's inspired of God. If you're saying that, that God is separated from us or God does not exist, then that makes the Bible, by logic, imperfect because either a created being or, or a, uh, excuse me, a creator, a being of sorts that creates all things, consummates all things, makes all things perfect in the, the way that he designed it, it the Bible has to be able to reflect a character about God, and it does in the sense that science can be verified by biblical statements. History can be verified by biblical statements. Geography can be verified by biblical statements. Now, what it's not going to do is give you the 
the particulars, as into like molecular structure or look at the, the anatomy of, of DNA. It's not going to tell you those kind of things. It's not going to tell you the exact latitude and longitude of a certain city. It doesn't give you that. And that's one of the ways in which the Bible can be verified in, as well, because it works both ways, is that God has put enough evidence into the Scriptures that we can look around us beyond nature and say, you know what, the Bible did make mention of that. The Bible was accurate about that. And when you look into some scholar uh, things, I believe like the Hittite nation was believed to not have existed until I think maybe the 80s or the 90s when they actually found out, oh, this this actually did happen. Uh, well, what, where's the problem come from? Is it God didn't give us enough evidence? Well, What's interesting about history is as we start getting more technology and more, um, I guess, fancy toys, <laughs> um, we st- we're able to look at more things than what we have in the past. And it's not that they didn't exist in the past. They always had. We just haven't found them yet. And just because we can't see something doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. For example, I've never seen my great-great-great-great-grandfather. Now, I'm here. And really thinking about that, I think I have maybe like five or six of them because it, it gets up there weird in the family tree. Um, just because I haven't seen them doesn't mean they, they haven't ever existed. And history works in that same way. We can see evidence that there is some kind of interaction with or some kind of fingerprints that definitely points towards people existed in times past through artifacts, writings. And then we say, you know, we can trust in that more than we can this book, because so many people have just studied it and said it must not be true. But then it all goes back to the question of how can we actually test it? And the Bible is of such a unique nature that even God says, don't just take my word for it, test it, and you will find out it is true. Yeah, there are several verses that come to mind when you were just talking about testing. Of course, one of them being out of 1 Thessalonians 5, I'm going to actually go to the verse and read it instead of trying to quote it for the audience. But the Bible says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit, despise not prophesyings, prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Now this Now, if you want to get into a Christian apologetics, which I didn't really want to do in this particular segment yet, we're still dealing with general revelation and special revelation. But when you talk about Bible accuracy and why people believe the way they believe, going through all the different beliefs that are in the world today, Jesus Christ in John chapter 17 praying for unity. When I get to 1 Thessalonians 5.17 and it says, or 521, I'm sorry, and it says prove all things, that, folks, is an obligation for us to prove what we believe. That's right. No matter what people try to say, well, you know, I've talked to so many people says, well, you know, vain wranglings, they don't want to get into vain wranglings, which lead to more ungodliness. Folks, discussing the Bible and proving things about the Bible is not a blind leap of faith. This isn't relying on our emotions. This is objectively having an objective standard, seeking the Word of God, and proving why you believe what you believe. Is that accurate, Ethan? Absolutely. And, I mean, think about it. So just a couple of passages to take into consideration. It's really going to open up a lot. Um, 
when you look into First John 4, it says, Try the spirits to see whether they are of God. And it's interesting we always quote that verse, but then we don't read the, the following verses. That verse about got me thrown in jail the other week. when I, when <laughs> I have to tell the story about a Pentecostal church that when I asked for permission to come and ask questions to the guy speaking, because why? We are told to prove all things. The Bible says in Ephesians 3 and verse 3 that we are to, how that by revelation, special revelation made known unto Paul the mystery, whereby when we read it we can understand it, prove all things. First John 4 and verse 1 says, test the spirits. It says, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. Because I asked a question. Oh, I got in trouble for that. Go ahead. Eve. You know, and, and just that verse alone, test the spirits to see whether they're of God because many false prophets, prophecy, you, prophets, we think of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and a host of others. What, what kind of message did they have? Well, when you go throughout the Bible, God's requirement to any man who had ever received his message, whether it was by some kind of special divine revelation or if it was communicated through the writing of a letter, such as the letter, one of the letters to the seven churches of, of Asia, the person was required who carried that message to other people had to relay it correctly. If he did not, there would be a consequence of wrath, there would be a sin placed upon him, uh, not because God is unfair and unrighteous, but because man diluted or polluted what the message was. And in fact, that particular message that John is relating is that not every spirit who says he comes in the spirit of God is actually from God. And you look at verse 6, we are of God, and he that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us, hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, you said uh, someone tried to use, we don't need to be involved in vain wranglings and janglings. and uh, Yeah, uh, well, that's they were trying to use First Timothy and Second Timothy and Titus when Paul was giving him instruction on how to conduct themselves in the church. You know, they were young preachers. Now, it's interesting they use that. If you look <clears throat> at uh, Paul's response to those in Athens, uh, it would say in verse 17 of Acts 17, therefore he, Paul, reasoned. That word for reason in the Greek is the idea of one who was having a discussion with, some uh, Some would even say a debate, but not in the sense of a heated discussion, but he reasoned with them from what? From the, in the synagogue with the Jews, with the Gentile worshipers, in the marketplace daily, those who happened to be there. And then he came and saw some Epicureans and Stoic philosophers. And he said, what does this babbler want to say? Who seems to be a proclaimer. What's he reasoning from if he's going to be a proclaimer of certain or foreign gods? And he gives us the answer in verse 18. Because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. Friends, do you not think that there would be a way that we can test whether or not the message that's being spoken is from God or not? I'm not saying the person who's giving the message, oh, that is a divine angel sent from God to other people in the, in the sense of the Great Commission. That, that might be loosely accurate, but in the sense of, well, God directly spoke to me and told me to come to you like the Macedonian call. That's not how that works today. But there's got to be a way that we can test these things. And we talked about last program, theism has actually branched, and it shouldn't have. Jesus said in John 15, I'm the vine, you're the, the branches. If you abide in me, 
abide in my words, my doctrine. He talked about that in chapter 4. Well, I mean, he talked about it all throughout John. But if you abide in my doctrine, then I and my Father, we will abide in you as well. But if you rest outside, this is where we start to see some of those. It's not branches in the sense that Jesus was using in John 15, but we start seeing if you're into Marvel, you understand the timeline has now branched off into different realities. Well, that's, that's what's going on. When people start preaching and teaching false doctrine and believing false ideas, it starts creating this illusion of Christianity that actually is not biblical Christianity, and we have lost the ability as a whole to identify and even be willing to test, are the things that I believe, are they found in Scripture? Yeah, this is the most important thing, uh, being able to test and identify God's special revelation. I want to go back. Uh, well, First John chapter 17 and verse 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. This is what, how we test those things through the Word. But I want you to go back to Deuteronomy. If you have your Bibles and you're listening to this, listen to what Deuteronomy chapter 13 says. And I think this is going to complement what Ethan is about to say concerning all the different views and worldviews of the Bible. Uh, he has so much information here. Anybody who listened to any of my podcasts in the first season last year knows that I'm a statistics guy. I went into a lot of statistics. Ethan has a lot of them here, so I'm looking forward to uh, him expounding on some of them. But listen to what it says here, Deuteronomy 13. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass, whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods which thou hast uh, not known, and let us serve them. Well, this is what's going on in the world today in a very real sense. They tell you things that are not true. And so the Bible tells us to watch out for those things. Thou shalt, You shall not hearken unto those words of that prophet. It says, or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proves you. The Lord your God proves you. Well, how does he prove us today? Through his word, through his special revelation. We can know. We can know if somebody is going to... Uh, a denomination and throwing up their arms. You know, this is what we're getting ready into now, folks, is we're getting out of general revelation. We can understand that God exists. I think we've covered that simply by what the world says now. Now we are getting more into special revelation and more so why is God's word so important? Think about the division that's in the world today. Why is that? Because people are relying on things that they should not be relying on, like their emotions like sources outside the Word of God. Ethan, am I correct in assuming all that? Absolutely, and it, it's interesting. We're not just saying these words vainly and be like, we want you to join our group. No, we don't. We want you to be added to the Lord's church. We would rejoice knowing that you are added to the Lord's church. You can be a part of the family of God, and that's not our group. That's, that's God's created kingdom here on earth. Now, it's interesting, uh, an uh, agnostic by the name of... Um, Bar Ehrman, uh, he writes lots of books. In fact, he is a uh, professor of religious studies. He teaches uh, classes on uh, New Testament, uh, uh, not observation, uh, summary of the New Testament. He teaches that class. And what he does uh, throughout that class, and you can listen to his lectures, and he always draws out the same idea. 
I just want people to use their minds. I just want them to think for themselves. And he's not saying that if you're a Christian and you believe in the Bible that you're not thinking for yourself. What he has come to find through his own studies and pursuit of trying to find what he claims is truth, people just take things for granted and they just accept it to accept it, but don't actually test it. And as a whole of society, that most definitely is the case. Um Ehrman hit it right. In, in all of his books, Someone uh, I let someone listen to his uh, speech one time and said, well, he's trying to take people away from the church. No, he's trying to help. He's trying to make people think for themselves. He's not trying to lead them away. What people do is they'll believe in academia because it sounds smart. It, it sounds good, but even false doctrines does the same thing. And you look at 2 Timothy 4. Why were people dragged away from the truth? Because they desired teachers having itching ears. They wanted to be told fables and false things. And it's interesting. Uh, there was a uh, study that was done recently this past February by the Arizona Christian University. And uh, they interviewed about 2,000 individuals, a very diverse group of individuals, different kind of backgrounds from where they came from. And um, they were asked different questions about their religious beliefs. And what they found from that very diverse group of 2,000 people, they used that to make a reflection on religious beliefs in America. And it's interesting what they found. Out of all the worldviews that were embraced, 6% of those individuals, or 6% of the U.S., have a biblical worldview in the sense that they hold the Bible as their standard. Doesn't mean they hold it like to a T as their standard, but they hold it as a standard, so they claim. Secular humanism, 2%. Moralistic therapeutic deism, we'll get to that here in a moment, 1%. Postmodernism, 1%. Nihilism, 1%. Eastern mysticism, Marxism, they don't even register as a percent. There's not that many adherents to it. But this idea of syncretism, came at a whopping 88% of the U.S. religious worldview. What? What is syncretism? Well, a worldview is a set of collective beliefs. In the idea, if you believe in the Bible, you should, by nature, because it's what's in the Bible, believe there is one God, he has the truth, his message can be tested with itself and along with other things if you wanted to test history and science and all those kind of things it's verifiable is what i'm getting at um they believe in the church uh they believe that god still interacts with his people today how that is we, we can't give you necessarily every answer on that because the bible doesn't give us every answer on that it just says that god interacts how well uh, we become christians through the the word well okay so that's that's some of the bible aspect um, all these other ones, you'd have to look into it. I, I can't get into it, but they're different kind of worldviews. They have a set core values that one must believe in in order to be considered this percent. Syncretism is the idea that I can take one aspect of a worldview and one aspect of another worldview and one aspect of another worldview and another one and turn it into something that is not a worldview in and of itself it's just a collection of beliefs that someone wants to believe in. The problem with that is, is because you have all these different worldviews, you become unstable in what you actually believe in and what you hold for your values. Now, we're going to talk about a little bit later, uh, not in this episode, there are consequences to that. And the astounding, resonating moral decline and decay and just trust in the Bible 
is declining at such a rapid rate that, friends, this needs to be a concern that we need to know for a fact is what I believe in. Is that actually true? People aren't willing to do that, Dan. Brother Ethan, that's that's excellent work right there. When we come back, we're going to dive more into this. Right now, we've reached our time limit. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Patriot Preacher podcast. I know it's a lot to say. Now, that's why I made it that way. So just something else to make more difficult for myself. Uh, actually, I didn't come up with the title. One of my friends did uh, because I'm a, a former a veteran. Because I'm a veteran and because I'm a preacher now, they come up with this idea. So that's where we got the name from. So I hope you're listening and I hope you're paying attention to it. You can find me on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Uh, we're going to come back next week and we're going to talk about, we're going to dive more into this idea of what it means to have these different worldviews of just plucking out of different worldviews and trying to form our own uh, moral set of moral standards. So we're going to dive into that next week, and I hope you enjoy these podcasts. I hope you hit the like button, and I hope you come back and listen again. Thank you guys for tuning in, and God bless you all.